2: Welcome. Are you comfortable? Good. You have found the true source for cycling's mediocrity. You have found Backfiller. The Backfiller podcast will help you achieve bicycle bliss, two wheeled tranquility, or at least the simple ability to smile at the silly sport you regularly attempt to conquer. The Pack Filler Podcast is hosted by a has-been who cannot climb. You can contact the show through Facebook, Twitter, or emailing us at info And now, sit back, ignore responsibility and training, and enjoy the Pack Filler Podcast. February's here, the tour of Sufferlandria, done. My fitness is better, but it sure wasn't fun. East Coast residents are shovelers, West Coast are grillers. Sit back and pour a cold one on an ABM pack filler. Pretty good, huh? Uh, I'm running out of things to rhyme with pack filler, so I might have to get creative or just ditch the poem altogether. Welcome to the only podcast endorsed by the American Psychological Association, As an instigator to masochism, that's right, it's the Pack Filler Podcast. I'm Pat Bulger, ABM, all by myself. No Mark Hodgson for the show today, but he will, of course, be in the studio soon enough. You can't keep us apart. We're like bad pennies. We're like specific dogs that wander across the country only to find each other again. You get the point. Mark, we'll be back, everybody. Um, Before I get going, big thanks to all of our sponsors with the show. First and foremost, the Sufferfest. Dave McCullen and the crew at the Sufferfest. Big thanks to them. We're going to be talking about them, especially the tour of Sufferlandria, which has uh, well about a week and a half ago, about two weeks ago, it is completed, and I'll be uh, recapping all those. Uh, let's just say horrific events. Big thanks to them. Big thanks to uh, the Elephant Bicycles. Elephant Bicycles. I almost, I did originally say it like an old person. There. Did you see how I put a the in front of it? The, the Facebooks, the Twitters, the f- Elephant Bicycles. Glenn and Elephant Bicycles. I'm looking at mine right now. In fact, it was the bike I did f- rode for the entire uh, Tour of Southlandria. So, uh, see how that all tied in? Isn't that bri- brilliant? Um, sorry for the hiatus there. I do have to admit, um, I, it has been about two weeks at least since the last podcast. And I had a big series of them going there for quite a while and it just, you know, I couldn't think of anything witty to say. Sorry, that pause was for my cup of coffee. It is, it is, uh, an actually a Saturday morning that I am recording this, this show and I'm, I'm sipping my coffee instead of a cold beer. um, yeah, I guess I could talk about the tour, Suffolandria. I know uh, some of you who are ad- adamant listeners to the show um, are Sufferlandrians and have completed that. We had a huge group this year for the tour. A um, lot of people um, chiming in on Facebook. A lot of people uh, discussing, and I had people several podcasts. If you have listened to them, uh, dealing with each and every stage dealing with a uh, almost to the finish point and all that kind of stuff good series of discussions with a lot of, of Knights of Landry. it was a lot of fun talking to those folks um, over a hundred thousand dollars was raised for the Davis Finney Foundation I mean, yeah, just pause for that one. 100 grand over a hundred grand raised by those riders that's pretty cool and a gigantic prize pool was sent out uh, to all of the finishers. Uh, well, not to all of the finishers. Third damn year I've done that thing, and I haven't won squat. There was some cool shit in that prize pool, and I'm getting a little bitter. God damn it!
1: Oh yeah, you got fitter
2: from the whole thing. Yeah, but I want some stuff too. I want to be fit, and I want to. and want toys. I want the wheels. I want. I want the trips. I want the jerseys. It wouldn't fit me anyway cause I'm a big guy. But I want that stuff. I want French fries. I want potato chips. I want a hamburger. You'll have nothing in like it, Spaulding. Hopefully you get that movie reference. Um, so, you know, am I bitter over not receiving any prizes for the third year in a row? No, I'm an adult. I can handle it but I can deal with it. Great discussions with those. If you haven't heard uh, some of those shows, even, even though it's, it's dealing with a specific event, there's a lot of fun information there, a lot of stuff from the, the individual nights. Uh, a really great show with uh, Sir Neil Henderson. If you don't know who Neil Henderson is, uh, you should find him and follow him. Uh, great coach, coach of uh, several top-end riders, including the current World our record holder, including Taylor Finney. A lot of cool information from Sir Neil there, and that was a lot of fun. Yes, I did get fitter um, from just one week of of completing that. If you if you didn't get to participate in the event, you should actually just go back and do the stages. It it's great accountability. Um, you're you're forcing yourself to do these things, and um, the great thing about actually doing it during the event is the fact that there are so many people involved. And again, that accountability comes up, you have a deadline in which you have to do each stage. Um, Other than that, I don't know if I'd honestly on a regular basis, get on the trainer for two plus hours. So um, and and, you know, just just suffer. And so it was good. And yeah, I took an FTP test about a week and a half after and (laughs) FTP, we're gonna be talking about that one here in a minute. And I am fitter than I was at uh this point last year. So it, it does help. Uh weather's awfully obviously helping, as I said in the intro. If you're on the west um if you're on the east coast, <laughs> sucks to be you. Um if because over here uh I'm West Coast boy and it has been unseasonably freakishly warm. I should be out on the bike right now. In fact, I'm going to after I finish this podcast and take my kid to get his driver's permit and all that kind of stuff i uh, got to get out there. It's just absolutely and seasonably warm. Ski season has sucked balls, but other than that, it's been unbelievable. And While the folks on the East Coast are digging out from several hundred inches of snow.
1: <laughs>
2: uh, I need to just get some goals. I don't, I don't know about you. Um, now that the, you know we're getting closer to the season, races are coming. I've got some fitness. It's time to probably set some things down on paper and figure out what to do and where to go from here. I do have to lose some weight. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I'm faster on the bike, but it'd be nice to shed a couple kilos and be even faster so I don't have to haul my own ass up the hills. Uh, That'll come, I think, you know. I could probably cut back on my alcohol intake. I'm not an alcoholic, I promise, but um, that's denial. (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm not, really. Nicolas Cage didn't base his character off of me for leaving Las Vegas. Um, Sorry, Pat, don't make fun of alcoholism. Um, But thanks to good old Catholic guilt, I have actually cut back greatly on my um, alcohol intake. For those of you who are Catholic, you know what I'm talking about. The holy season of Lent is upon us um and as as a catholic um we we tend to take it upon ourselves for 40 days well it's actually more than 40 days to give up something to to fast on something and so my decision was to And don't think I'm a religious fanatic, by the way. Uh, My decision was to um, help myself and uh, not drink Mondays through Thursdays. So I can still sip on the weekends, but I can't during the week. And uh, it should be interesting. So, in fact, that's why, you know, usually you're used to me sitting here having a beer um, during my podcasts. But now I have coffee breath. Um and it's interesting when you, you know, I'm I'm, I'm not saying I, I sit back and, you know, drain a box of wine in a keg on a week on a weeknight, but, you know, I, I'll have a beer before dinner and I'll have a glass of wine with dinner. And um, it's interesting trying to find your alternative. I know the triathletes are just sitting there. You guys are looking at me going, I don't drink ever. I don't have oil on my breadsticks. I don't do anything except shave my chest um (laughs) i I pick on triathletes i pick on you guys because you're so freaking dedicated and happy all the time you make me crazy You, you just piss me off you guys it's just everything's going so wonderfully i'm gonna go out and run and then swim and then i'm gonna come home and i'm gonna eat kale um but uh, it's, it's been interesting trying to find these alternatives to, to my ritual, I guess. My, you know, I cook dinner and I, I have a beer or something like that. Usually at 5 o'clock, you know, I'll start that kind of stuff. And, and finding these alternatives, you know, it's interesting. Heaven forbid I can actually work out a little bit later. Um, or, or, oh, here's the one. Um, you guys are going to roll your eyes when you hear this. Um, kombucha. 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 It's just fun to say kombucha. I've been I've been drinking the kombucha tea, um, it, which I'm not gonna lie is a freaking acquired taste. I read up about it and um, I've I've seen it around. There are a lot of places you know you can buy it in the bottle or um, what's even better is you can buy it now. I don't know about you and your region or where you might be. You can buy it on tap. Um, and wow, that was a big mic pop. Sorry about that. Just don't talk directly into the mic, Pat. Um, you can buy it, you can buy, you know, take a bottle to a local place and fill a growler or fill a bottle or, you know, t- and, and then take it home. And they have multiple flavors of this tea. And it's not your normal tea. It's really fermented stuff. And, um, yeah, there are some actual kombuchas out there that that do have low percentages of alcohol because it's, you know, the fermentation process. Uh, mine doesn't, I swear. Uh,
1: Jesus,
2: um, no, uh, it's um, multiple flavors, different kinds of stuff. I had a ginger one, and it was it was good. It's well, it's like I said, it's it's not like oh my god, this is the best thing I've ever tasted, but it's it's not bad. It's it's a sipping cold beverage. Um, it's got. Uh, do i say this while making it a positive statement because you're probably cringing your face when i'm about to say it's kind of like it's got a little bit of an apple cider vinegar taste to it and accompanies the the flavor itself um i think it's it's fairly new to at least this region here um where i am it's it's coming of of age and it's coming of popularity i think it's going to become more and more popular as time progresses um but it's not bad, and so I've been doing that during the week and drinking that. And it's got all the probiotics. It's got all that kind of stuff. It's supposed to be you know super healthy for you. Cure cancer, all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know. Try it out. It, let me know what you think. I'd love to know what you guys think about it. Just because there are probably some of you out there who not only drink it but have been brewing it for years and have those you know expert knowledge base. You know, you're a woman. You have hairy legs, and you've been brewing it in your basement for eight years. Sorry, that was mean. Um, It is kind of have that. It does have that, that, that air about it, that it's kind of an earthy kind of, you know, ancient Chinese secret. You only find it in the purest health food stores, kind of hipster thing. Um, but you know, coming for me, it it's good. So there you are. My advice for the day, the more, you know, da, 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 right. Okay. I should probably get to the show um if you were following along in the uh tour of Suffrolandria, you had probably noticed that um I did a one stage by myself. I had a tough time trying to track Sir Neil down, and um the stage he was supposed to do i couldn 't get him you know, heaven forbid the guy was busy, selfish ass, how dare he you know i'm i'm a diva, and I must go on stage at the right time um so I did a stage all by myself all by myself. And um, during that show, I did a question-and-answer kind of thing, Q&A with Sir Pat. And I actually received quite a few Q&As after I had recorded the podcast. And so, in fact, if you guys want to keep those coming, they're fun to respond to. So um, email or drop me a Facebook Comment on, on the Facebook page, Packfiller Productions. I think you could just probably search for Packfiller. It's all one word, and it's not like it's going to be a whole lot of things. And uh, submit your questions to Ask Sir Pat. I think they're fun. And we had a couple ones uh, that, that were extras. Excuse me, I have to sniff away from the microphone. I got a one-e-note. It's cold in the studio. My heater's not working very well. So I, I thought I'd, I'd mention a couple of those. If you, so if you want to send some more of those, do it. Uh, do it on the Facebook page. Do it at uh, info at is the email address. And um, drop those to us. Uh, maybe I'll do one in a week or something like that if they keep coming. I don't know. If you guys just stop come sending them, that's fine. I don't need you.
0: Ready to pop the question? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full
2: terms at mintmobile.com. Here we go. Dear Sir Pat. I love it when they call me Sir Pat. Call me Sir God damn it. Dear Sir Pat. How often do you check your FTP? Hey, see how I said that earlier? Do you train with power? And if so, what model do you use? You know, um, short answer, I don't train with power on on the road or on the mountain bike. I do on trainer road and I do on the stationary bike. That's it. Um, But the long answer, that's what we're here for, right? Let me let me tell you a story. Sit back. Uncle Pat's going to tell you a story. I'm trying to get comfortable and I hit my mic cord. A couple about a, about a week ago, I had God, you're going to think I'm a religious nut. I had a um retreat. You see, I work for a a high school and we had a retreat. And this retreat took place at a of course, a retreat house which is a beautiful mansion. Yeah, No, seriously, it is. And it was set in um, the mountainous kind of region of Spokane, the city I live in. Uh, really beautiful area surrounded by trees, uh, a little river rolling by underneath the hill. The house is set up upon. And um, I'm not going to lie, my mind wandered a little bit. and uh, Because that's what, you know, teachers do that. You know, they all get together. And they all talk about very, you know, specific kind of things, you know, curriculum review, teaching, you know, what what are the core things we need to teach, and, and then you get other people speaking just because they want to hear their own voice. So I was sitting there dozing off, not dozing off, da- gazing off through a window and looking at the beautiful hillsides off in the distance, and um, I was looking through this large window in this living room of this this home. That had been donated as a retreat house. The family donated it to the to this organization and things like that to Gonzaga University. If you know, if you follow college basketball, you know Gonzaga University. So I'm sitting there looking out this window, and um, be, beautiful large window, leaded glass, oak framing around it. Looks out over the hills and trees and the rivers I just kind of described to you. Now here was the irony, okay this window. This window had been actually painted. Somebody, some artistic person went with their their white paint, you know, kind of that decorative artistic paint on the glass and an actual rending, rendering of, get this, hills, trees, and a river. They're just um, a window that looks out to hills, trees, and a river has a Etched painting on it of hills, trees, and a river. Somebody apparently thought obstructing my view with hills, trees, and a river with a painting of hills, trees, and a river was a good idea. No, it wasn't an exact tracing. They didn't trace the hills or anything like that. They just they just did that. And I'm thinking, why are you doing that? Why are you getting in the way? What's what's the point? And and I guess my the reason why I told you this stupid story in a very ineffective manner was I think about that in, the, in our current state of cycling and in, in, in answering this question about FTP and power and um, blood count, Strava KOMs, all this kind of stuff, um, staring at your computer like Chris Froome in a time trial. The attention to these details, in my humble opinion, have taken away the spirit of what we're doing. Remember, Think about this. Remember your bike when you were a kid, when you were a little kid. You, you only knew how fast you were going either by the wind in your face or the sound of the playing card in your spokes. That was how you knew how fast you were going. Your bike didn't get you somewhere. It took you somewhere. I don't know about you, but I would ride around the block, and I would be on a journey. I was Colonel Steve Austin, the $6 million man, racing around to save the world. That was at least until the streetlights came on, and then I had to go in because my mom always made me come in when the streetlights came on. Or she had a bell on the back porch that she would ring. that would be the time to come home, and I'd get on wildfire. Yes, my bike was named wildfire. It had a big, huge seat, black frame, wildfire written on the side of it. This was... uh, you know, '70s. So, of course, I sang the Michael Martin Murphy song. You know, she went calling wildfire. Why? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> six million dollar man riding around singing a ballad in his short shorts and skin knees. That's got to be a hell of a visual for you. <laughs> but when I got into cycling. You know, I, I asked after I got rid of wildfire and got my first uh road bike in the eighties? Yeah. Yeah, eighties. Uh rode with friends or alone. Three hour rides. And uh on the rides with friends, nothing of importance was discussed. If you think about it, how many times do you come back from a long ride with teammates and somebody asks you, your spouse asks you? How was your ride? Great. What would you talk about? I don't really know. I think somebody threw out an Austin Powers comment, and that was about it. But when I was a kid, I was out there on my ride. My mom couldn't reach me, and that was okay. My coach wasn't insured to the gills in case somebody fell, and that was okay. If I flatted, I patched the tire, or I walked home. If I got lost, I either figured it out, or I freaking, heaven forbid, asked for directions. If I crashed, I limped home, or I found a payphone. Um, nowadays, you know, and this is making me sound like an old grumpy asshole, but um, it was better when I was a kid. God damn it! But um, now we share our data. I, I I'll get on Facebook and I'll see everybody posting their their rides. We plan a route for specific terrain. We repeat specific sections. We sprint for Strava KOMs. We upload data. We share our data. FTP, split times, kilobytes, joules, whatever the hell those ratings and readings are. What happened to judging your effort on each pedal stroke? What happened to knowing your effort levels? If I was supposed to do a time trial effort, I would go out and I knew my time trial effort. Now, I did have one of those old Avocet computers, or Avocet, depending on what side of snooty you are. Um, It had ratings. It had specific amounts of detail, was it. Speed, which is basically replacing the card in your spokes. Distance, so I could tell, holy crap, I went farther this weekend. And time, that was it. Basically, as a kid, it was the speed for this card in the spokes. Distance was the reward and the journey and, um, the time was telling me when the streetlights came on. So I knew how long I had until I had to get home. I knew I could manage three hours riding in those days. I, I did a lot of training by myself, middle of nowhere. It was like my Walden pond. I could get lost. I could take the road simply because I'd never ridden it before. And I miss that. I miss non-specific training We're probably faster now because of the information, but I'm seeing the tendency to rely too heavily on the information. Riding just for riding's sake. Leave your data at home. Try this once. Don't share your ride. It's your little secret. Besides, really, nobody gives a shit, to be honest. Don't take any pictures on your ride. They're your, they're your snapshots, okay? Excuse me, I'm going to say this, but fuck your GoPro. Don't take a video. Ride on your feel. Know your time trial pace. And just go out there and, and see, what, see what happens, right? You'll probably be slower on the weeknight races, but you might be happier. So I guess that's my long answer to the question about FTP and do I train with power? And I know there are friends of mine who are probably going to say, yeah, but it's, it's helpful information to, you know, improve your Iron Man split or your time trial or your whatever. That's fine. You can have that opinion. I agree with you, but it's my podcast. I get to say my opinions. I'm an old curmudgeon ass, so deal with it. Dear Sir Pat, you mentioned after the tour of Sufferlandria that your wife was grateful that you were finally finished. I was I, can't say was, I came upstairs and I said, oh my God, that's it. I finally finished. She goes, oh, thank God. Clean the kitchen. Um, how do you keep cycling and marriage together? Ooh, good question. Very good question. Cycling and marriage. I think we had a show Mark and I did about this a while ago. Um, and I don't know if Mark was married yet or not. So we should maybe do a recap on it, but screw it, I'm going to do it now because one of you asked me the question. Let me put this into two things, two parts, okay? Um, part number one, cycling is a part of who I am. And my wife understands that. Um, fortunately, I was a cyclist before I met my wife. I've been a cyclist since I was probably, well, on wildfire, but I've been a, de- you know, a, a classified cyclist, I guess you could say, uh, since probably I was about 13. So um, before I met my wife, I, I had bikes. I was into it. I was doing a part of that. And she knew what she was getting into in that, in that realm. She understood that the basement was going to be full of operational, non-operational bikes for multiple uses in terrain. Uh, bikes I didn't ride because they had some sort of, uh, you know, some kind of an unopened beanie baby type value. You know, don't ride that. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. It's perfect. It's Classic. Old one speed tandem. No, I don't ride it. I just don't don't leave it alone. Um and I had bikes that were yet to be bought. The classic Velominati rule. N plus one. N being the bikes you currently have. Always need one more. I do I need a fat bike. And I don't want a 29er. I'm still in twenty-six inch wheels on my mountain bike. She accepts that, okay? My wife does. She insists I do it mainly because I get grumpy and fat when I don't do it. Um in fact early in our marriage I recall very well um there was a time when I had not been spending time on the bike and um she looked at me at one point and said um, she said okay here's the deal um weekdays you can you know you, you need to figure out when you're going to get on your bike. And and do something about it. Um, but Saturday mornings, here's the deal: Saturday mornings until one o'clock in the afternoon are your time. I want you to go out and ride with your friends. Now I know that sounds like wow, she's keeping you on a short leash. She only gives you Saturday mornings. That's it. But you know, she it, it was a it was a gesture to say you need to go do this, and and she was right. And um. I started riding with a large group of guys and it was some of the best times I've had. Um, and I miss that. I'm not, I'm not doing that as often as I should with a group of guys. I'm doing a lot of training by myself where I'm coaching uh, juniors or stuff like that. But, um, and that was a part of it. She understood that, okay? Um, best idea that we had made as a married couple since the birth of our son. Um, and so it's, it's, it's a part of my life. And, and it has to be. And your spouse has to understand that. On that note, I go to part two of my response. Let's be honest. Cycling is a pastime. It is not a source of revenue for us. Unless you're Sir Neil, or unless you're a pro cyclist. In that case, welcome. Why are you listening to this? Um, there might not be time to ride sometime or race or train And that's okay, don't you think? Um, Your kids are only around for so long. Don't be that selfish douche who goes out and rides and trains and swims and runs and rides and swims and runs and rides and never has time for anybody else. Um, Go to the soccer game, for Christ's sake. Yes, it might be boring. Yes, your kid might be in baseball, which for me is about as exciting as watching paint dry. But go to the baseball games. Smile, clap when your kid finally hits the ball. Um, ride your old gear for another year. It, you don't have to have the newest campy Gruppo um, because your kid needs soccer shoes or something like that. You know, heaven forbid, go to your in-laws. Go to your father-in-law's birthday party instead of the race this weekend. That's how you're going to make it through cycling and marriage. I have some friends who have lost their spouses due to the fact that they are obsessed with the sport. It requires a time commitment, right? It does. But I think um, hopefully as you grow... Um, you're going to come to the realization that wow, what was really important was it was it crucial that I lowered my time split for the Tuesday night series, or was it better that I went out and had a really good weekend with my family and watched my kids score the winning goal? It's like a freaking Hallmark card, isn't it? But um, you know, I think that's I think that's important. So there you go. There's my preach. Soapbox off. Oh. Um there you go. Um I, I think that's it. I don't I don't wanna talk, I don't wanna deal with any more um any more uh Sir Pat questions for the show this week. Two is probably enough, don't you think? Um some of you had mentioned that the shorter podcasts are actually a good thing, which means you you don't wanna deal with me. It's it's like a it's like a punishment. I I only had to listen to him for thirty minutes this week, so that was a good thing. You guys, um, get out and ride. If you're on the West Coast, get out and ride. If you are on the East Coast, um, hop on that trainer. <laughs> if you're elsewhere, uh, get going with it. Uh, thank you guys for for chiming in uh, in support of the podcast during the Tour of Sufferlandria. If you uh, have any questions, shoot them my way. Info at packfiller.com or the website packfiller.com. Um, support... the The Sufferfest by going to our site first because you give me a couple coins and all those sorts of wonderful things because um, podcasting isn't lucrative. Whoa, you guys, I do have to say this, though. Um, And I'm just becoming a Sufferfest whore because uh, my reward from the tour of Sufferlandria, Sir David McQuillan sent me the prototype of the bar in caps with the logo. I'm holding them in my hand right now. They're still in the box. And the stem cap. Um, let's say the Sufferfest has the eyes and the pleading eyes and, and it's so awesome. So podcasting pays off. I'm a rich man, rich man. Um, it is a Saturday podcast. My coffee is cold, but I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go for a bike ride. Stay golden pony boy. I will talk to you later. Thanks everybody.